0: What's up, everyone? I'm Joe Pompliano, and this is The Joe Pomp Show. Happy Friday. I hope everyone is ready for the weekend, because between the Live Golf PJ Tour merger, Lionel Messi, and the NBA and NHL finals, it's been a really long week. But today, we're here to talk about one thing and one thing only. That's Lionel Messi's decision to sign with Inter-Miami of Major League Soccer. Now, this is a groundbreaking deal, and it shocked the sports world this week. So we'll get into all of the events that led up to this decision, the unique clauses in Messi's contract with Inter-Miami that could make him hundreds of millions of dollars. And we'll talk through what this means for the future of MLS. So let's get right into it. All right, everyone. So when Lionel Messi announced last week that he wouldn't be returning to Paris Saint-Germain PSG next season, he became a free agent with essentially three exciting but different opportunities. The first and the most logical option was probably FC Barcelona. Messi signed a contract with the Catalan club on the back of a napkin when he was just 13 years old. He then played 778 matches across 17 seasons, scoring 672 goals, a club record, and he won six Ballon d'Or trophies, football's most prestigious award. And Messi only left the club in 2021 because they didn't have enough of a wage budget left to offer him a new contract. And Saudi Arabia? that was a pretty logical choice, too. Messi already has a tourism ambassador deal with the country that pays him $33 million annually. And with Saudi's $620 billion sovereign wealth fund taking over the country's four largest soccer teams this past week, Messi was reportedly offered a three-year, $1.6 billion deal to play in the Saudi Professional League. That is not only the largest contract in sports history, but it's significantly larger than Cristiano Ronaldo's deal that he got from Saudi himself. But ultimately, Messi decided to join Inter-Miami CF of Major League Soccer. Yes, MLS. Messi is coming to MLS. Now, of course, many people were surprised at this decision. From a pure talent perspective, MLS isn't even a top 10 to 15 league in the world right now. And Inter-Miami is not good. They're currently one of the league's worst teams. I think they're actually in last place in the Eastern Conference right now. And furthermore, Inter Miami brought in just over $50 million in revenue last year. And while some of you might think that's a lot, it's not. And I'll give you an example. PSG last year alone sold $130 million of Messi's jersey. Messi's jersey alone at PSG sold $130 million. So they almost sold three times more in jerseys for Messi at PSG than all of Inter Miami's revenue last year. And last but not least, Inter Miami had just 1 million Instagram followers before the announcement. Now, I don't want to act like Instagram followers are everything in the world, but it gives you a a perspective on the size of the club. So they had just over 1 million Instagram followers that ranked them second across all of Major League Soccer. A lot of this obviously has to do with their co-owner, David Beckham, but they were in a good spot. Second most followers in the league. But to put that into context, Lionel Messi gains double that in a week. In a normal week, he gains double that. The guy has 470 million followers on Instagram. And if you were to add up every single club across Major League Soccer, all 30 of them, all 30 teams, they have 14 million Instagram followers today. And that's even with a 5 million bump from Lionel Messi. So if you take out that 5 million before the announcement, they had about 9 million followers, all the teams combined. Messi has 470 million followers. That's absolutely insane. But look, if Messi's decision wasn't going to be based on money with Saudi or legacy at Barcelona, what made him choose Inter-Miami and MLS? I think the easiest place to start to try to understand that is revisiting the mid-2000s. And I'm talking about David Beckham, of course. Now, David Beckham was on top of the world in 2007. He had spent the previous two decades playing for clubs like Manchester United and Real Madrid, and he was a legitimately global celebrity after marrying Victoria Adams of the Spice Girls. For example, when Beckham left Manchester United for Real Madrid in 2002, Real Madrid sold more than 1 million Beckham shirts in the following six months. And their overall, Real Madrid's overall merchandise sales increased by nearly $350 million to the next year. So again, in 2002, Real Madrid did $252 million in merchandising profits. The next year, in 2003, they did $600 million. That's a 137% increase virtually overnight simply by adding David Beckham. He was the most popular player in the world at that point. So As you can imagine, everyone was pretty confused when David Beckham announced that he was taking a 70% pay cut to leave Real Madrid and join the LA Galaxy of MLS. Major League Soccer was only averaging 15,000 fans per game at the time in attendance, crowds that were nearly six times smaller than the 85,000 screaming fans in Madrid. And the league also averaged a meager 263,000 TV viewers in 2006 a far cry from the millions of viewers averaged by other American sports leagues like the NFL, NBA, and MLB. And that's without even questioning the serious talent gap from leagues like La Liga or the Premier League to MLS or the fact that his annual salary was dropping from $20 million to $6.5 million. There's a famous quote from Ramon Calderon, who was the Real Madrid president at the time. He said, he's going to Hollywood to be half a film star. Our technical staff were right not to extend his contract. And that has been proven by the fact that no other technical staff in the world wanted him, except Los Angeles. Pretty harsh quote, but David Beckham didn't care. He saw the bigger picture and ended up signing a unique contract with MLS and the LA Galaxy specifically that turned his $6.5 million annual salary. Into more than five hundred million dollars. Now, I want to break down this contract to give you guys a little bit of context before we get into Messi, so you have an idea around how some of these things are structured. Now, Beckham made the majority of this money, call it five hundred million dollars plus so far, off of two things. First, MLS had a two point one million dollar salary cap at the time when he joined in two thousand seven. So each team only had two point one million dollars to be able to spend on their entire roster. And LA Galaxy, obviously, that's not enough to get David Beckham, who's making $20 million in salary alone at Real Madrid at the time. So what do they do? LA Galaxy goes to MLS, and they end up creating a new rule called the Designated Player Rule. This new rule allowed the LA Galaxy to pay Beckham $6.5 million annually, while only counting $400,000 against the salary cap. So in simple terms, they were allowed to take one person off the roster and pay them outside of the salary cap and just put $400,000 towards the salary cap. So $6.5 million was Beckham's annual salary. $6.1 million was being paid by the club's owners, while only $400,000 was counting against the MLS salary cap that year. It was a new rule, and it's stuck since. But more importantly, the LA Galaxy guaranteed Beckham an undisclosed percentage of all club revenue. That meant Beckham would get a cut of every dollar the team made during his tenure with the club, from merchandise, tickets, and sponsorships all the way down to the hot dogs and beer sold at games. Literally a cut of everything that LA Galaxy did that year. And secondly, in addition to the revenue sharing agreement with the LA Galaxy, MLS sweetened the deal a little bit. They ended up inserting a clause in the agreement that allowed David Beckham to purchase an MLS expansion team at a fixed rate of $25 million upon retirement. Now look, most of you probably know this by now. I've been talking about this for several years. I think it's one of the best sports business deals in history. But let's not act in hindsight that it was so obviously great. It wasn't at the time. Now, $25 million for context. Toronto FC, the year before David Beckham came, in 2006 or 2007, paid a $10 million fee to join MLS, right? $10 million. So David Beckham was getting a 150% increase on that by being allowed to purchase the team for $25 million. So again, the team before David Beckham got there was purchased for $10 million, to the expansion team. And he was guaranteed the right to buy an expansion team for $25 million in the future. And we'll get to why that's important in a second. But MLS obviously did really, really, really well under David Beckham. For context on David Beckham, he had a little bit of a rocky start. I think he played in less than half of the LA Galaxy's games his first couple of years. He ended up going on loan to AC Milan. He tore his Achilles tendon. He was getting booed. It was like a little bit of a rough patch to start. But then he comes back in the early 2010s. He plays really well. They win a championship or two, and everything's great. Now, throughout this time, Beckham was obviously a catalyst for this, but there was other things going on, too, through expansion and, and, and grassroots stuff that MLS was doing. But MLS attendance increased 40% under Beckham. So when Beckham got there to today, attendance is up 40% across the league. Obviously, there's more interest for people attending games. But more importantly, media rights have drastically increased, too. As you guys know, we talk about this all the time, these leagues, make the vast majority of their money off media rights. That's the big plan. That's where you have to drive a considerable amount of revenue. Tickets are great. Merchandise is great. Sponsorships are great. But you want that to realistically be a smaller piece of the pie because viewership should be high enough to where you can go command real dollars. Well, that wasn't the case with MLS at first. When Beckham got there, MLS was earning just $8 million annually on their TV deal. But what do you know? It's increased year after year after year after year. And today they have a $250 million annual deal With Apple, with Apple, $250 million annual deal. So it's gone from $8 million to $250 million. Obviously, a huge increase there. And MLS expansion fees have also exploded, right? So we talked about Toronto in 2007 that paid $10 million. Beckham was given a $25 million fee whenever he wanted to purchase a team upon retirement. And the league's most recent addition, this happened just a month or two ago, was San Diego. And for those that have been following along, San Diego paid $500 million for a new team. Again, $500 Five hundred million dollars. So when you add all of this up, it's estimated that David Beckham earned about two hundred and fifty-five million dollars during his five years in MLS. This is through a combination of salary, revenue share, and sponsorships. And I'll break it out for you. Forbes did a good article on this when he actually ended up retiring, you know, almost a decade ago at this point from MLS. But essentially, they said his five-year salary was thirty-two point five million dollars added up. He got a revenue share across those years of eighteen million dollars. But the big win for him was sponsorships and endorsement deals, right? So every company in America wanted a piece of him. He was this global superstar coming to the States, an athlete. Everyone wanted to touch him. And he ended up earning over $200 million through sponsorships and endorsement deals alone. So again, five years in the MLS, total earnings of $255 million. I'm not a mathematician, but that is, you know is $50 million plus per year. And it's more than he was earning at Real Madrid. But again, if that was it, it still would have been pretty good. No one would have questioned them. They would have been like, that's a smart move. But the genius thing in this whole deal was the $25 million expansion fee. Beckham ended up again paying $25 million to open a team to own a team into Miami CF. He's got a couple other investors in the deal. So when people go out and they tweet, you know, the team's worth X, Beckham's a genius, he only owns a portion of the team. right? So he raised money to go start the team. You got to build stadiums. There's a bunch of expenses that go with starting a team. So he went and raised money and went at it like that. But still, The fee for the team was $25 million, and the team is now valued at $600 million. So whatever way you want to look at it, whether he owns 1% or 100%, he made a lot of money on the deal. And the average franchise valuation has drastically increased too. In 2008, the year after Beckham got there, teams were valued at $37 million on average, and now clubs are valued at $582 million on average, which is almost a 1,500% increase year over year. So The most interesting part about this, and look, I know I've gone on a little bit about David Beckham. This podcast isn't about David Beckham, but I think he plays a huge role in this because one, he's obviously the owner of Inter-Miami. He has a relationship with Messi. When David Beckham started the team, most people forget about this, but I think it was on either Instagram or Twitter when David Beckham launched the team for MLS officially, Lionel Messi either tweeted at him or Instagrammed at him or whatever, but he contacted him and essentially said in public, hey, give me a, a ring a few years down the road, right? And that came true, right? Which is absolutely crazy to think about. But the reason why I want to talk about his deal specifically, Beckham, that is, is because MLS expansion teams are now so expensive. They're $500 million. The league cannot just simply deploy the same offer in the playbook that they did for Beckham to Lionel Messi. You just can't do it, right? The teams are too expensive. The league is not as nimble. The media rights were lower back then. The interest was lower. The attendance was lower. Messi, in my opinion, is a much bigger star. Instagram literally did not exist when David Beckham came over, right? He was a huge global superstar, obviously important, big deal, but Instagram didn't exist, right? Social media was, was not around. It was a completely different time period back then, but still, the leak has grown to a point now where you can't just empty the coffers financially and just say, hey, take whatever the hell you want, Messi. They already have 30 expansion teams at this point after the $500 million edition of San Diego. Maybe they're going to expand to one to two more, but honestly, the talent isn't there right now to be able to go do that. So you have to get creative. And that's exactly what MLS and its partners did. MLS knew you're not going to be able to compete with Barcelona for his love. Messi literally said that. He said, I wanted to go back to Barcelona. I've been checking in with the team all year. I've been following the club. I love Barcelona. But when he found out that they were going to have to rearrange some contracts and cut some players and do all this stuff to get him back. He said, look, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be part of this. I've dealt with this once before. I don't want to change people's lives. I don't want to have to potentially go through this again. Let's not do that. Let's not do that. I love you guys, but let's not do that. All right, everyone, quick interruption from today's episode to talk about the sponsor of this podcast, ButcherBox. I've been ordering from ButcherBox for a few years now, and it's the single best solution i found to save time while guaranteeing the quality of your food. Everyone probably knows what ButcherBox is, but they deliver 100% grass-fed, grass-finished beef, free-range organic chicken, humanely raised pork, and wild-caught seafood directly to your doorstep. It's literally that easy, and it tastes incredible. So ditch the butcher lines today and guarantee the freshness of your meat with ButcherBox. And here's the best part. If you sign up today, ButcherBox is offering all of my listeners two pounds of ground beef for free every time they order over the next year. Let me say that again. Two pounds of ground beef every time you order over the next year, you get for free. So go to butcherbox.com/slash Joe Pomp and use code Joe Pomp, all caps, Joe Pomp at checkout to get that discount today. So one, Inter Miami was competing with the love of Barcelona. But two, they were also competing with Saudi's essentially bottomless bank account, right? We've seen what they did with Live Golf and the PGA tour this past week, but they have a 620 to 650 billion dollar private investment fund. Saudi Aramco, which is the oil company there, is the world's, you know, largest, obviously oil company, but it's the third largest company in the world. Saudi owns 98% of that business. It's state-controlled. It is a massive, massive, massive business that is making hundreds, hundreds of millions of dollars of profit, hundreds of millions of dollars of profit every single day. It's a really impressive business, and no one's going to outspend Saudi, which is exactly why the PJ Tour eventually capitulated and said, we're going to do a deal with you guys. So you have two angles to this, right? Inner Miami sitting in the middle somewhere, and they're saying, we can't compete with the love, and we can't compete with the money. What can we do? We got to get creative. And that's exactly what they did. So I want to read you guys out a couple of bullet points of what we know about Messi's deal so far. So the first thing we know is that Messi's roster spot will be exempt from MLS salary rules. So similar to David Beckham back in the day, they're going to be able to pay him outside of the salary cap. This is something that has been around in the league for a long time, but this is good for the league, right? Even if you're one of the other teams that has to play against Messi, you're going to say, ah, it's not fair. You know, this guy's going to be making two to three times our salary cap alone. We can't be playing against him. That's not fair. That's not legit. Whatever it's good for the league, right? Everything, it's, it's one of those things where rising tides lift all boats, right? So you get him in there, he's exempt from MLS roster salary cap rules, but more importantly is the economic parts of this stuff, right? So first off, Messi is reportedly going to be receiving a share, according to The Athletic, a share of all new MLS season pass subscribers on Apple TV+. Plus. So again, Apple TV has the deal with MLS this year they have a subscription service that you can go in. I think it's $15 a month or $100 a year. And essentially what they're going to do is Apple is going to pay him directly for any additional signups that are essentially, I don't know how they're going to figure it out, but they're going to figure out how many he is bringing to the league and give him a payment on that. Call it a revenue share, call it you know whatever you want. But essentially he is going to get paid for new subscribers to the MLS season pass. And look, one of the things that you cannot deny about Messi is he is a freaking superstar. I don't think people in America realized until this week how big Messi is, how big Ronaldo are, is, how big these international football stars really are. If you're Tom Brady, there's European cities that you can go to. You won't get recognized, right? That's just the truth. Other NFL quarterbacks, same thing. Aaron Rodgers, for sure. hundred percent. The most popular players, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. It's 100% fact. If you go to other places in the world, you will not get recognized. Now, LeBron is the only one that comes even close to sniffing that level of popularity. I think he has probably 100 or 200 million Instagram followers at this point, but no one else. Steph Curry's in the 50s, right? Everyone else is drastically lower than that. I say all that because Messi's going to bring a huge audience to Apple TV. There's going to be, you know, call it millions of people probably that are going to want to watch him specifically. And the only way to do that right now through an exclusive deal with the MLS is on Apple TV. So again, I think that that deal makes a lot of sense. And one of the other things that hasn't been confirmed, but I'm just speculating here, is Apple TV recently, I think in the last week, announced a new four-part docuseries on Lionel Messi. They're going to be doing it themselves. And my guess is that's probably part of the deal, right? If you're negotiating all these other things, maybe that's another thing where you say, hey, we're going to pay you $20 $50 whatever it ends up being, to do a four-part documentary series on you, give us some access to your life, filming, footage, your time, whatever, we'll pay you a substantial fee. It'll be part of this broader agreement. And it's a win-win, right? Because Apple is paying a lot of money for content. Sports content is hot right now. It gives them additional stuff for Apple TV Plus, in addition to the deal that they already struck him for subscriber pass on MLS. So that is the second part of the deal. So, so far we have the roster spot that's exempt. Secondly, we have the revenue share with Apple TV. Third, we have a profit share with Adidas. So Messi has worked out a profit share with Adidas, which, again, this kind of includes MLS, but it's also kind of separate, and I'll explain why. So for those that don't know, Messi has a long relationship with Adidas. He's been with the company since 2006, and he actually signed a lifetime contract in 2017. So similar to what LeBron James did, what Kevin Durant did, he signed a lifetime deal with Adidas. And anyone that knows what's going on with Adidas, it has been an absolute shit show over the last year. They got rid of Kanye West. I think I read somewhere that Kanye West, his line at Adidas was accounting for something like maybe it was like 20% revenue, but 40% of profits there. I forget the exact number, so don't hold me to that, but you guys can look it up. It was Morgan Stanley analyst report where I saw it. It's absurd, right? So the company lost a lot of revenue. They lost a lot of profit this year, and they're looking for ways to grow their brand and expand their brand to compete with the Nikes of the world. So what are they going to do? They're going to give a revenue share. From any increase in profits that Adidas generates from Messi being in MLS. So, Adidas is the official sponsor of essentially all the gear in MLS the shirts, you know, the training gear, whatever it is. They're the official sponsor. They obviously have a deal with Messi themselves, but what will happen is he's gonna get a percentage of all the profit. Then, lastly, Messi, of course, will have the option for part ownership in Inter Miami CF upon retirement. So, look, we don't know the overall terms of the contract yet. We don't know the number of years. We don't know the value. We don't know any of the exact of details of this deal yet it honestly hasn't even been finalized yet they barely announced it i think it was basically because it was getting leaked they were probably like hey look we're heading down this path let's just do it messi was committed mls was committed to figuring out they had a framework for the deal and then it's like let's figure out the small details now and we'll announce it after that we don't know all of those details yet they haven't been finalized but messi in my opinion is still in line to make hundreds of millions of dollars on this deal And I want to walk you guys through how he's going to do that, right? Because everyone's like, oh, this is an amazing deal. He's going to make so much money. He's got this and this and this, all the things I just listed. But I haven't seen a single person yet break down exactly how he's going to do it. So I'm going to tell you a couple examples, and then we can kind of infer from there where that is going to be available for Messi to make that kind of money, right? So let's just take his revenue share with Adidas, for example. If you look at Barcelona, They were reportedly selling more than $200 million. Barcelona was selling $200 million of Messi jerseys annually. And with leagues like MLS typically receiving about 15% of jersey sale revenue, the league is going to make an absolute killing too, right? So if Barcelona is selling $200 million of Messi jerseys annually, the guy had been on the club for freaking 15 years at that point, and they were still selling $200 million of his jerseys every single year. My guess is Miami is going to be just as big if not bigger, whatever. It's going to be a huge number. He's going to get a share of that, so he's going to be making call it, tens of millions of dollars from that. The league, who gets about 10 to 15% of that revenue on average, is going to be making tens of millions of dollars on this. And then the other players, this is often forgotten about too, is that the Players Association in a lot of these leagues have a deal where they get a percentage of the player jerseys, right? So if you buy a Patrick Mahomes jersey, part of that gets kicked back to the players, right? And it all gets distributed. And so the players in MLS are going to be benefiting from this too, because part of that revenue comes from jerseys will be sent back to the Players Association. So huge deal there. The other thing that I think is a very big deal that could potentially earn him hundreds of millions of dollars is the option to buy equity. For those that don't know, he's not going to be getting equity for free. That's not what they're saying. They're saying he's going to have to contribute capital. He's going to have to pay for the equity and buy it himself. The rumor for months now has been reported that he was looking to buy 35% of Inter-Miami, which I think would actually make him a bigger shareholder than David Beckham. I don't know if that's true. I just want to clarify on that so no one takes it and runs with it. I don't know if that's true. What I do know is he's probably not going to do it for less than 10%. Let's be honest, right? You're not going to go to a guy like Messi who's doing all this and has a $1.3 billion deal on the table with Saudi and offer him 6% of the club. Like, that's just not going to be the reality. He's going to have an option to buy a significant piece of the business, whether that's 15%, 20%, 35%, we don't know. But my guess is it's going to be significant. And then more importantly, he's going to receive a significant valuation discount when this happens. And I'll explain this for you because I think this is a very important piece that often goes under-discussed in the world of sports business. So first off, minority stakes in franchises, teams across the NFL, NBA, MLB, MLS, whatever, they typically trade at a 20 to 30% discount, right? So if the minority stake is worth $100 million, right, on paper, the team's worth a billion, you're buying a 10% stake for $100 million, you're probably actually going to pay like $70 million. And the reason for that is simple. You don't get anything, right? You basically get season tickets. You don't get to make any decisions. It's illiquid. You don't have your capital, right? Like there's a bunch of kind of like bad things you would you would qualify it as. Your your money's locked up forever. You're not really getting anything out of it. You get to say you're an owner and you get to go to games, maybe you get a championship ring if you win. But that's about it, right? So they give you a 20 to 30% discount because of that illiquidity, that lack of access, stuff like that. So I think that's piece number one. If he's buying, you know, 20% of the team, he's buying it at a discount already because that's the norm. Any investor gets that, not just Messi. And then my guess is that it wouldn't surprise me if Messi already agreed on a future price with Inter Miami, right? He said today, this is what I'm going to pay for X amount of the team in however many years. Right. So there's like some framework for a deal already in place. And again, I'm not reporting that's a fact. I just know how a lot of these deals work. And the way that this is going to work is Messi's going to want to financially capitalize on any growth that he brings to the club. Increase the valuation. The team's worth about $600 million today. Say they double that, $1.2 billion over the next five to six years, which I think is totally possible, and I'll walk you through why I think that. But say they go to $1.2 billion. Then Messi's going to buy 30% of the team for a few hundred million dollars with no discount. No, of course not. He wants to participate in the value that he is bringing to the team today. He's probably going to get a bigger discount than just 20 to 30%, and he's probably figuring out that framework today, or his advisors are figuring out that framework today. And last but not least, look, many people online, I've seen the comments. I'm sure you guys have seen them too. Maybe you're part of the the people that are contributing to this. If so, I apologize. But a lot of people are saying that Messi lied, right? In his announcement video, he said, I didn't do this for the money. I didn't go to MLS for the money. And then they point out all these things. They point out the profit share with Apple. They point out the profit share with Adidas. They point out the ability to buy ownership. They point out all this stuff and they say, he's lying. He's lying. He's going to make a billion dollars from this. And maybe he does, but I don't think he's lying. And I don't think he's lying for one specific reason. The MLS deal is going to be lucrative, of course, but there are few things in this world better than $1.3 billion guaranteed upfront in cash. Guaranteed upfront in cash, $1.3 billion. Do you know what you could do with that money? You could just stick it in a damn retirement account and you're making hundreds of millions of dollars. Literally, it's absolutely insane how much money that is for an athlete. It's incredible. He is not going to be getting paid that much, in my opinion, right? Maybe over the long haul, maybe if he's able to grow the the franchise valuation, he owns a big chunk of it. Maybe he makes a couple billion dollars. I don't know. But my point is simple. If you're getting $1.3 billion up today in cash up front, that's objectively, objectively a much better deal than what Messi ended up getting from a financial perspective. But. Messi's also the seventh highest paid athlete in history and will be just fine. He has made, uh, I think it's, yeah, $1.5 billion in history. The only soccer, football player in the world to earn more than him is Cristiano Ronaldo at $1.6 billion, according to Sportico. And the only athletes to make more money than him in history, obviously, have Michael Jordan at one. He's got the best sports business deal of all time with Nike and the Jordan brand, $3.3 billion in earning. Tiger Woods is number two, $2.5 billion. Arnold Palmer, number three, $1.7 billion. Jack Nicholas. Number four, $1.6 Ronaldo, number five, $1.58. LeBron, $1.5 is number six. And Messi is seven at $1.48. So I don't know what you took from that, but I took that if I ever have a son, he's going to be a golfer because they are getting paid. There are four golfers in the top 10 highest paid athletes all time with Phil Mickelson coming in at number 10. Really impressive list there. But again, I don't think that Messi did this for the money. I think there's a lot of other stuff that goes into this, right? You have to take into the quality of like how you're going to be spending your, you know, 36th to 40th, you know, years playing. How are you going to be living? Where's your family going to be? Where's your kids going to go to school? This was one of the underreported things that I constantly tweeted about leading up to this was that Messi already owns several homes in Miami. He owns homes, he owns apartments, he owns an entire floor in one building right? He owns several uh, residential real estate properties in Miami already. He visits a lot. He had been here a couple of years ago. The crowds were absolutely insane. So look, we know he likes Miami. We know he already owns property here. And the more you start to count these things and check things off the list, it makes a lot of sense that he would consider inter-Miami. But I also want to talk about why I think what, what this is going to do for MLS, right? So we've already been through you know, the decisions Messi had to make to get here. He obviously loves Barcelona, but there were some issues there. He uh, may or may not wanted to play in Saudi. He's already got a relationship with them. He's making $33 million a year as a tourism ambassador. They offered him $1.3 billion, but he turned it down, whether he didn't want to live there or whatever it was. He comes to Inter-Miami. He gets a really unique deal that no one can sit there today and guarantee kind of how much money he's going to make. Anyone who tells you they know, again, they're misguided. They're guessing, whatever you want to call it, but they don't know. No one knows exactly how much money he's going to make. But regardless, he signs with Inter-Miami. And look, convincing Messi to sign with MLS is objectively a very big deal. He has won over 40 trophies with Barcelona, PSG, Argentina. He has 583 million followers across Instagram and Facebook combined. And he's currently the world's most famous athlete. But more importantly, this signing to me feels a little bit different than David Beckham's. For one simple reason, Lionel Messi is still at the top of his game. Sure, he's 35 years old and father time is undefeated. But Messi led Argentina to a World Cup victory just seven months ago. And he was even voted the tournament's best player. He was literally voted the best player of the World Cup. He won it. He finished off his trophy case. He's got everything he needs to have to be considered the best player of all time. And then when you look at the other side of this, David Beckham, he was obviously a huge superstar when he got to America in 2007. But Instagram, again, hadn't even been invented. It wasn't like this huge social media thing where he had millions of followers all over the world. They were looking at every single thing that he was doing. That's just not the truth. And he also missed over 50% of the LA Galaxy's games during his first couple of years. And he was booed after tearing his Achilles tendon while playing for AC Milano alone, right? So like, it was kind of a weird start. It wasn't nearly as big in my opinion. And my point is simple. Messi's going to put on a clinic in MLS. He's significantly better than virtually everyone else in the league. He's way, 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 way better, right? He even put up good stats for PSG this year. Right. So he's going to run circles around a lot of these people, not necessarily run because a lot of his games is, is obviously meant on him kind of jogging around and looking and stuff. But he is going to put on a clinic and MLS fans are going to love it. He's going to be scoring goals. It's going to be a highlight reel. And I think that's just more appealing to the average fan, right? People want to see goals. America is built off action like that. It's the same reason why MLB is trying to reduce game times and add offense. That is what America wants. That's what football wants. That's what they, that's what all the sports fans here want. So I think Messi is going to help a lot with that. And then if you just look at what's going to be happening in the future, viewership for MLS is trending in the right direction. We have the World Cup coming here in 2026 in North America. Most of the games or matches are going to be played in the United States, but it's in broader North America. And my guess is that Messi is going to end up drastically transforming the league. If you just look at Inter-Miami's valuation, I bet it's probably going to double over the next few years because, and the reason why I think that is, MLS teams right now because of the high growth nature of this league. They're assigned a 10 times revenue multiple. So that just means right if you're bringing in $100 million in revenue, which LAFC is, you're going to get a billion dollar valuation. That's higher than other leagues. The average for other professional sports leagues in the United States is like 6, right? Maybe a little bit lower for the NHL cuz it's it's slowing down, but a little bit higher for the NBA or the NFL where where people see some some good growth coming. So it's drastically higher, right? It's almost double the revenue multiple that you're getting in MLS today. But the reason why that's important is because if Inter Miami does $50 million in revenue today to double their valuation, all they have to do is increase it by $50 million of revenue. And again, that sounds like a lot. It's double, but Messi can do that. For sure, he can do that. He can sell that many shirts. Absolutely, he can do that. So again, I think that Inter Miami is going to benefit tremendously from this. David Beckham's obviously going to benefit tremendously from this. The other owners are going to benefit tremendously from this. And my guess is also that MLS soon surpasses. At least the NHL is America's fourth most popular sport. MLB, you know, I don't think that's going to be happening anytime soon, but it could be on the horizon. Soccer, football, whatever you want to call it, is the world's most popular sport. There are billions of people that care about this sport. And if you're able to attract, like the whole thing I always said about MLS is you can call it the retirement league. You can call it whatever you want. You can say the game isn't, the the play isn't as good. It's different. The season's not the same season. You can say a bunch of different things that make you think that maybe you don't want to watch MLS. Again, it's outside the top 10 or 15 leagues in the world from a talent perspective. But where do players want to go? They want to go where they get paid the most money. Traditionally, right? Players want to get paid the most money. If you look across the NFL, the NBA, whatever it is, the reason why the United States has been able to dominate those leagues is because it's the best options for players to go play, right? Nikola Jokic, right? If you look across the NBA today, how many players are international players? It's a huge percentage of the players today because they're going to make more money than they can in any of the other leagues abroad, and they're going to come to America. They're going to be put in front of these audiences. They're going to get endorsements, and they're going to make a lot of money. And that's what MLS has to figure out, right? They have to figure out out a way to increase the media rights. They have to go from $250 million a year to a to billion dollars a year, right? Like that's what they got to figure out. Because when you figure that out, you're going to be able to pay the athletes and the players more money, which is going to recruit better talent. And again, I don't want to act like Messi's a savior. I think MLS should be just as focused on smaller clubs that are developing good talent, you know, domestically. The uh, the United States is becoming a hotbed of sorts for soccer. Its youth participation rate has climbed dramatically. Football is declining. All these other sports are declining. Soccer is up huge in the United States. And the MLS should focus on that. The grassroots aspect of this is huge. But my point is simple. Messi is going to change Major League Soccer. I don't know if it's going to take a year. I don't know if it's going to take five years. But people in the United States are underestimating how big of an athlete and how popular he is. We've already seen it in the Instagram numbers with Inter Miami CF. They now have more have more Instagram followers than every single NFL, MLB and NHL and MLS team literally. That they have the biggest account on Instagram out of all of those leagues virtually overnight by signing Lionel Messi. My guess is it went from a million to five or six million. It's probably going to end up at 25, 50 million by the time this whole thing's done a month or a year from now based on, uh, you know, how active Lionel Messi is on Instagram, talking about them, the announcement, all that kind of stuff. So they're going to grow tremendously. They're going to get a bunch of brand value from this. The other teams are obviously okay with it because it's the thing where, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats and they're going to benefit also. But the last thing I want to leave you guys with today is a couple stats. One of the guys I know at Fanatics hit me up right before I started recording this, and he told me that Inter-Miami's merchandise sales yesterday, called Tuesday, Wednesday versus Tuesday, so the day after Messi signed, were 45 times higher. So again, Inter-Miami's merchandise sales were up 45 times yesterday on Wednesday versus Tuesday. Also, Inter-Miami was the number three selling team when Messi was announced of all sports on Fanatics. Every single sports team that they offer, Inter-Miami was the number three most popular team from a sales standpoint. That's absolutely incredible. Fanatics, you guys know, they represent freaking every team and every league in the world, essentially, in the world of sports. So Inter-Miami number three is obviously really impressive. The teams, someone from, I talked to a couple different teams, Chicago and a couple other teams like that, and they sold tens of thousands of tickets yesterday combined. The ticket prices have obviously gone insane. There's some tickets that are selling for $10,000 now. People are trying to guess which game he's going to debut on. But the other thing I think that's important to note here is the tax implications of this. Florida has no state income tax. I live in Florida. I live in Miami. Florida has no state income tax. So if you look at what Beckham did, I actually want to look this up really quickly before we get off the the thing here. I don't know what $255 million is in buying power, but let's say we did it in 2007 to today call it 2% a year, right? That's over 300, 350 million dollars. I don't know, but it's a lot of money, a difference in inflation alone. So if you want to just, you know, artificially inflate Messi's value based on just inflation, then he's going to be making, you know, obviously more in sponsorships than David Beckham did. But then the other interesting thing is that Beckham lived in California. He was playing for the LA Galaxy, 13.3% tax. Let's just say that over the course of the next five years, Lionel Messi makes a billion dollars. Maybe that's high, maybe it's low. I don't necessarily know, but let's say a billion dollars. 13% 13% of that is $130 million that he'll save by living in Florida. Again, there's other taxes and stuff like that, but $130 million of $1 billion he will save by living in Florida over California. That's obviously objectively important, right? In him choosing Inter Miami, it's closer to Argentina where he'll be able to be doing more stuff with the national team. More fans of his will be able to travel to games and stuff like that. So I'm all in. I'm all in on Messi and MLS. I hope it works out for the league. It's going to be very exciting to follow this and just see how drastic things change. It's a very exciting time to be involved in the sports business between Messi and Liv and PGA Tour. It feels like sports business is coming around to like a very mainstream thing, which is so exciting for me because for years and years and years, it felt like I was like maybe the odd person out that cared about this stuff, but we're building an audience. You guys are enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. So thank you so much for not only listening to this podcast, but following everything I do on Twitter, on the newsletter, readhuddleup.com. On the podcast and so forth. I'm sure some of you guys saw it, but we broke into the top 10 on the podcast this week, which is absolutely incredible. I mean, I couldn't have even dreamed that I've been doing it for two years, over 160 episodes at this point. It's been a grind, but it's all worth it. This thing is moving in the right direction and I have only you guys to thank for it. So continue to share these episodes with your friends. If you're enjoying them, make sure to rate and review the podcast on Apple or Spotify or wherever you're listening to. And as always, thank you guys so much. I hope you have an incredible weekend and we will talk on Monday.